Welcome to Gateway Community Church, Webster, Texas. We're so glad you found us, and we hope this message helps you discover more about God and His unique plan for your life. Well, good morning. We are glad that y'all are here with us and uh, joining us as we're starting a new series. I do want to just, before we dive into that, encourage you uh, to keep on keeping on in in terms of how we help one another. Uh, As best as we can tell uh, in trying to check through our congregation, the best we can tell about 15% of our congregation, maybe a little more, had some, some level of storm damage. It may have been they lost their car, may have been a leak, or it may have been they lost their entire house and their vehicles. That whole range, I've, after the first service, talked to a number of people who had, had pretty much lost everything. And we're praying for you, and uh, we have resources and supplies still out there. If, if they can help you, please take them with you. That's, that's why they're there. We're going to continue tomorrow if you're available to get out. I know it's a work day, but if your work situation is such that you can come and, and go out on a team, uh, we do still continue to, re- to get homes and names of folks who n- need our help, and uh, we've been doing that. We've been trying to help all of our church family, but we've also been helping a lot of people in neighborhoods because all kinds of things are happening. I don't know how I ended up. I mean, I ended up at a house yesterday that I don't know how we got their name, but they were, um, they were renters, and the, uh, the owner was requiring them to be out by midnight so that they could begin repairs. And so we had to help them get all their stuff out and, and continue to throw wet stuff away. And, you know, those things are just happening across our area. They've happened to some of you, and we continue to be here to try to help uh, in those ways, but also in other ways. Uh, some of you may not realize we've had a, now a couple weeks now, we've uh, on Saturday opened our doors for another church in the area who was flooded. They've, they've worshiped here with us um, in, in our space. Um, of, as of Friday night, we had some college students come in from out of town who are spending the night and then going out and doing stuff. And we've, uh, we're trying to make ourselves available. We're trying to do whatever we can do to help our community, to love our neighbors, to be who Jesus calls us to be, to be his hands and his feet. So um, be praying about that. Be looking for ways that God can use you. Uh, it's not just having to go out into a house. There are lots of other ways that people who have been able to help, and, and uh, we have folks who'd love to talk to you about other ways if, if if you're looking for that. I also want to encourage you about the groups that, that Jessica mentioned because it is that community, it is that connection that's so important. And this uh, insert gives you a list of so many groups that are coming up. Uh, Tom's praying with confidence. Uh, financial peace. If, if finances have become an issue or been an issue, um, there are God, God has ways to help us manage our funds in ways that are God-honoring and and are best for us. Uh, I, along with Scott Rainey, am leading a, a group called Exploring Christianity on Wednesday evenings to explore the Christian faith. If you're not a follower of Jesus at this point, or you're not sure, or you have questions about that, or you'd like to learn more, we welcome you to come to, to that, and you can sign up uh, online, or you can talk to folks out there. And there's, there are those, and there are life groups that are open that meet weekly or biweekly that would love to have you come. Uh, and as well as our support groups. So take a look at those things and, and don't waste the opportunity. Step in and allow God to work in your life. Uh, he wants to do that for you. So we're, gonna, we're, we're looking at the, the life of Abraham over the next few weeks. And that may, may not seem like a big deal to some of you. 
However, aside from Moses, no Old Testament character is mentioned more often in the New Testament than Abraham. James, the half-brother of Jesus, called Abraham God's friend. And, and that's, in fact, a title that is found nowhere else in Scripture. No one else receives that in all of Scripture. He's regarded as the father of monotheism, and mono means single or one, and theism is God, so it's the, it's the belief in one God. Uh, that he was the, the first to begin movements that, that believed in a single God instead of a multitude of gods. Though, in fact, the world's three largest monotheistic religions, Judaism, Christianity, and Islam, all have their beginnings in him. And, and nearly today, half the world's population consider him the father of their religion. Just imagine them, nearly half of the entire world's population. The Gospel of Matthew opens with a genealogy of, of Jesus, and it begins with Abraham, showing us a clear, direct line from Abraham to our Savior and Lord Jesus Christ. And yet, Abraham lived 4,000 years ago. And so it's easy to say, well, what does that have to do with me today? How can he help me in the midst of this flood or in my work situation? What could a, a guy that long ago know? And, and, and a lot of Christians don't even know very much about Abraham. His story is told in the first book of the Bible called Genesis in chapters 11 through 25. But here's the thing. Abraham is not just history, and that's what we want to help you see in these coming uh, uh, weeks. The New Testament shows us over and over again that the life of Abraham is just as real and relevant today in your life and mine as it was 4,000 years ago, that right here, right now, his life still matters. And what he teaches us and what we can learn from how he handled things very much mirrors what you and I are dealing with day in and day out. So over the next few weeks, we're going to be mining some of the main events in his life, Abraham's life, for nuggets of truth for you and me to help us live our lives here and now. So I want to invite you to go ahead and open your Bibles to Genesis chapter 11. We're going to start at the end of that chapter, verse 27, and move into chapter 12 and, and a couple of other places this morning. If you don't have a Bible with you, there's a YouVersion Bible app that's available for free, or we have uh, notes in the bulletin that have the scriptures in it. Uh, and if you look closely, you'll notice the date was it has on it August 27th. Because this was the message you were supposed to hear two weeks ago. However, we want to be good stewards of our resources. So we, we, took, we pulled these out of the old bulletins and we just put them back in. So don't worry about the date. It's today. It's, it's been uh, looked at to make sure it's all current. But um, we, again, we're trying to be the best, the best stewards we can of the resources God entrusts to us so we can use those for the sake of the community and use those for the sake of the gospel of Jesus Christ. So Genesis in chapter 11 begins the story of Abraham, and it begins with some, some background, some family background. Genesis verse 27 says, Now these are the generations of Terah. Terah fathered Abram, Nahor, and Haran. And Haran fathered Lot. Haran died in the presence of his father Terah in the land of his kindred in Ur of the Chaldeans. And Abram and Nahor took wives. The name of Abram's wife was Sarah, and the name of Nahor's wife, Milcah, the daughter of Haran, the father of Milcah and Iscah. 
Now, Sarah was barren. She had no children. Now, we call the series about Abraham, but you'll notice here it's saying his name is Abram. God will later change his name to Abraham, and we'll learn about that in a couple of weeks. But the first thing we kind of want to do is kind of take a quick glance at his family tree. So here is Terah, the father. Here are his children, Haran, Nahor, Abram, and notice Sarah here, who is his wife. Now, this is uh, a little unusual, and uh, Scripture will later say this was not a, not a good idea for the future. Uh, they have same father, different mother. Over here is Lot. Haran dies, and uh, Abram will end up kind of adopting him and taking care of him. And we'll see all this goes down, all the way down here to Jacob and, and Rachel and the 12 tribes. But you can see it all kind of begins right there. What we're told that is really significant that, that continues to kind of show up in this story, uh, you know, they're telling us who, who these people are, but then they make the point to say Sarah was barren. She had, she had no child. She was unable to have children. And this, is, this was very significant in, in, in biblical times. Um, children were how a man continued his family, continued his name. It, it was also a source of prestige for women. And so no children could be a huge source of frustration for, for any couple. But also what we don't realize today, we don't maybe think about as much, is that it was essentially children were like our social security because children cared for their elderly parents. And if, if, if a couple did not have any children when they became old and were having difficulty caring for themselves, there might be no one to care for them. And so having children was very important and, and, and a big challenge for Sarah. And we'll see it coming up throughout this story and see it, in fact, you'll see it as, as an issue in other places in the Old Testament. So it goes on in verse 31. It says, Terah took Abram his son and Lot the son of Haran, his grandson, and Sarah, his daughter-in-law, his son Abram's wife, and they went forth together from Ur of the Chaldeans to go into the land of Canaan. But when they came to Haran, they settled there. The days of Terah were 205 years, and Terah died in Haran. Now again, taking a look at a map, uh, here we have the Mediterranean, this is Greece, this is modern-day Turkey, this is modern-day Iraq and Iran over here. And here is Ur of the Chaldeans, located um, about halfway between Babylon and per the Persian Gulf. And this is about where uh, uh, the, the capital of Iraq is today, so it was about halfway in between. And you'll notice the, the rivers here, the Euphrates and Tigris, kind of flow up this way and they created, therefore, a place where they could grow crops because here is the Arabian Desert. So if you wanted to go over here, you didn't go across the desert. You went around this way. And so sometimes this area is called the Fertile Crescent because it was where crops would grow. Or it's called Mesopotamia, this area right in here. Uh, historically, that's a name that we have, we've known it as. Uh, Ur was a fairly large city, and it served as the worship site of the Sumerian moon god Nana. And so uh, here on, on our next slide is a picture of a ziggurat 
which was one of many across the area, but this one was locate, is located in what was then Ur and um, uh, was used to, to worship. And what we don't see is the actual temple, would, which would have been here on top of the ziggurat, which was destroyed over the ages so that no longer exists. Um, and, but it was there in the time of, of Abram. Now, Joshua, who lived a few centuries later, tells us that Terah, the father of Abram, and his family originally worshipped the gods of that area. In other words, they worshipped multiple gods. They were not people who strictly worshipped the one true God. They may have worshipped him, but they also worshipped other gods like you would have seen uh, at that that ziggurat. Um, It also appears that... um, uh, Abram adopted Lot after the death of Lot's father, Haran. And the, t- the town of Haran, which we'll see in a minute, was not named for him. They are just coincidentally the same. Um, Genesis 11 tells us that uh, Terah left Ur then to go to Haran, which is located here in what is today southeast Turkey. And uh, it, this was a trade route that connected the east and the west. And it was there, here that Terah, the father of Abram, eventually died. Uh, so with that kind of picture understanding, notice here is Aleppo, which is in the news today uh, in the Syrian war. And so we're talking about in that very area, uh, has a long, long history. So with that in mind, we turn to the, the beginning of the actual story of, of Abram, which begins in Genesis chapter 12, verse 1. So Uh, It says, Now the Lord said to Abram, Go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you. So Abram must apparently has some kind of an encounter with the Lord God. Though the book of Genesis tells us nothing about that encounter, what it was like, how it went. All we know is that Abram, who grew up in a family that worshipped multiple gods, has some kind of encounter with the one true God to the point that it changes him and focuses him on that God alone. So that when out of the blue, that God tells Abram to go, to leave behind where he grew up, where his family lived, to an unknown land, from a God that it's unclear that he had worshipped or at least knew well before, we know it must have been an incredible experience. I mean, to imagine, what would it take you to, to, to feel like you were being led to up and leave family and home to go somewhere else out of the blue? And not just because you know you've got a job there, but because you have a sense within you that God is calling you to do that. There had to be a, a strong experience that he had to do that. And uh, all that we know is he grew up and, and with this encounter that one true God, he goes to leave behind all those other things. And this verse implies that Abram received this message while he was in Haran. In other words, that, that stop point in southeast uh, Turkey. But the disciple Stephen in the book of Acts, so 2,000 years later, indicates that Abram received the message while he was still in Ur. If you look in Acts chapter 7, verse 2, it says, Stephen says, Brothers and fathers, hear me. The God of glory appeared to our father Abraham when he was in Mesopotamia before he lived in Haran. So he had the encounter in Ur before he lived in Haran. And God said to him, Go out from your land and from your kindred and go into the land that I 
will show you. So we don't know, did Abram convince his father Terah and some of the immediate family to begin moving? Uh, The Bible doesn't say. But we do know from Scripture that the call to go there came from God. And God made Abram an amazing promise. Beginning in verse 2, God is speaking and he says, I will make of you a great nation and I will bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you and him who dishonors you, I will curse. And in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. Excuse me. So if you, if you look at that carefully, it's not saying these things are going to happen to you. God says, I am going to do these things. God is the actor here, and he is continually in this, these two verses using the word I. So in these first three verses of chapter 12 in Genesis, God promises Abram four things that lead to blessings. And, and they really become the basis of everything that happens to Abram and, and his people in the centuries to come. First, a new land. Though at this point, Abram only knows a name, Canaan. He's just following God. He, he doesn't clearly know where it is. He is trusting God to lead him, to show him the way. Second, promises a great nation and a name, which, which by implication would mean then, therefore, descendants. And, and God will make this, this promise more explicit later. But really, I mean, again, it's an amazing one because we have already been explicitly told that Sarah can't have children. So how is he going to have descendants on his own? And this will become a major point in the life of Abram as the story goes forward. Three, God promises divine protection to Abram. He, says to, he promises to curse those who dishonor Abram. And finally, fourth, he promises a source of blessing, that Abram will be a source of blessing to all the families of the earth. Now, later as we go through the Old Testament, and certainly by the time of Jesus in the New Testament, the Jews considered Abraham the father of their people. And, and, and he was their father. But what you see and hear in Scripture from the very beginning, from the beginning of his call, is that God promises Abram that Abram's purpose, God's purpose for Abram, extends beyond his own family. Over and over in the Old Testament, the Jews forget that, that that through Abraham they were blessed to be a blessing to other peoples, to other nations. He will say, you are in fact the least of the people that I chose, but I chose you so that my works would would be revealed through you because they would look at little Israel and they would say, there's no way you could survive. There must be a God in order to do that. That that, 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 the, the people of Abraham, Paul tells us in the New Testament, would not in fact be the people who could who could track their genetics down through the the lineage all the way, but it would be the people of faith, people who put their faith in this God. Those who failed to do that uh, would face negative consequences. And yet Jesus in the New Testament shows us it, it was always God's intention to extend his blessings beyond one people to all people, to all nations. And, and to follow them, to Jews and Gentiles. Now, in a room like ours today, the truth of the matter is there's only maybe a handful of you, maybe five, maybe ten, maybe less, that can trace, tr- trace ancestry back to the Jews. 
The rest of us, because this is kind of what it meant, if you weren't a Jew, everybody else was a Gentile. So most of the rest of us, we're Gentiles. And according to the Jews, we were left out. According to the Jews, not what God said to Abraham, but according to what they came to understand, we weren't a part of the deal. But God always intended all the way through the Old Testament, all the way through the New Testament, all the way up to today, that his message of good news was for all people. And, and God's people are often the means through whom his blessings are extended. And if we fail to do that, then we are missing out. We are failing to be a part of God's eternal plan and, and his blessings for us that began in Abraham. We are missing out on what he called us to do. When a Christian, a child of Abraham, a, 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 by faith, shares his faith or her faith story with another, when we invite someone to church, when we love our neighbor, as many of you have been doing over these last two weeks, moving furniture and, and cutting out sheetrock and, and, and all those kinds of things and making food and bringing supplies, you are living out God's promises and opening yourself then to God's blessings. That it's not about us, it's about the world, about all the people that God has created. And God will formalize these promises in a covenant with Abraham, and we'll see that in a couple of weeks in the chapters 15 and 17 of Genesis. But, but for now, we need to understand that, that this was, this was always, from the very beginning, even though the Jews continually thought that we are the, the, the chosen people and it's only about us, it has never been only about them. They were the beginning point, and you and I are the descendants by faith of what God is doing. So it continues in verse 4. Um, it says, so Abram went as the Lord had told him and went out with him. Abram was 75 years old when he departed from Haran. Now, we've just been looking. We've seen the first three verses of Genesis chapter 12. And in there, Abram, God made Abram some promises, but, but only now as Abram went, and this is, this is so important, as he went, as he acted in faith, because he didn't have the land already. He didn't have a son already to have descendants. He stepped out in faith. He went forward. It was only in the midst of living out by faith to obey and go, that the promises could then come to pass. So often we get confused and we say, we're going to wait for the promises and the blessings and then we're going to go. But God is very clear here that all of his promises are first predicated on his initial command, go. When he says, go and make disciples of all nations and I will be with you, he tells us to go. And, and here is the problem that you and I experience is we want to wait for the blessings. God tells us, you're not going to find my blessings by sitting back. You think coming to church or you think labeling yourself a Christian makes you a Christian. What matters is do you live the faith? Do you obey do you walk in faith? Because there are all kinds of reasons that we wouldn't. 
It's easy to be in, for, for people to be in despair right now because of all that's gone on in our community. Do we walk in faith? Do we trust our God? And, and this is not Pollyanna. This is not easy. This is not saying everything's going to come out beautiful in the end here on earth. But God's promises are based on us first going. In other words, faith is not simply assent to a belief. Like, I agree there's a God. Or, I like Jesus. Or, I, you know, something like that. It is about belief to the point of action and obedience. Even before the results are seen or can even possibly occur. The Bible tells us in Hebrews, now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, hoped, the conviction of things not seen, that have not yet happened. Will you get through the struggles of Harvey? It may not feel like it, but if you believe that God is the God of the impossible, He wants you to hear that, yes, you will. It may not be the way you planned. It may not come out with all the details and and all, but you will because he loves you. And in fact, he has an eternal plan for you. And even if everything in this life is not totally fair and doesn't all work out, there is eternity with him. That is what we hang on to. That is what we walk by faith into. Abram leaves behind his family home, his family, most of them, including his father. When when we do the math, we see that Abram's father, Terah, who, who stayed behind in Haran, lived 60 more years after Abram left him behind. Abram left behind family to go to a land he didn't know, to become a people when he had no children and no obvious promise of children, to be a nation, an old man with a wife unable to give him children. Abram put loyalty to his God over even loyalty to his family. Guys, we need to hear that is faith. That is faith. Do you trust God more than you trust common sense? Do you trust God more than you trust what the world is saying around you? Do you trust God in his word even when maybe a family member or a coworker or your boss or a schoolmate says you're crazy? If you go, that's the demonstration that you believe. If you refuse to go, faith without works, Scripture tells us, is dead. Works don't save us, but works demonstrate. They are the sign, the mark, and the blessings of God come with faith, with stepping out in belief. Hebrews 8, 11, 8 says, by faith... Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to a place that he was to receive as an inheritance. And he went out not knowing where he was going. Folks, God calls you and me 
to obey, to obey his word in the Bible, even when we can't see exactly where it's going to lead us. And, And it's then that we are living by faith. It's when we love our neighbor when they aren't kind. It's when we trust our resources to him. It's when we step out in faith to help our neighbors and love our neighbors when we don't feel like it. It's then that we live by faith and that the blessings of God become real. The story goes on to say in verse 5, Abram took Sarah, his wife, and Lot, his brother's son, and all their possessions that they had gathered and the people that they had acquired in Haran, and they set out to go to the land of Canaan. When they came to the land of Canaan, Abram passed through the land to the place at Shechem, to the Oak of Moreh, and at that time the Canaanites were in the land. So again, just taking a look at, uh, at a map, kind of short truncating it. Here's Haran coming down. Uh, here is the Sea of Galilee, the Dead Sea. This is where modern-day Israel is. This would be up here, modern-day Lebanon, uh, Syria. Over here, down here would be Egypt. And uh, he has traveled from Haran down to Shechem to a a place in the land promised to him. However, because the Canaanites are still in the land, the Bible tells us he can't take it over yet. Verse 7 says, Then the Lord appeared to Abram and said, To your offspring I will give this land. Now, notice he says, to your offspring, not to Abram himself, but to your offspring. So he built there an altar to the Lord who had appeared to him. Now, Genesis doesn't tell us how God appears. But here, for the very first time in Scripture, we are told that the Lord appeared to a person. And he explicitly promises to Abram that this land will someday belong to his descendants. Descendants means children. He is already too old. His wife cannot have children. And yet here is this promise. And Abram's first act and expression of faith once he's in this promised land is to worship the Lord through the building of an altar. See, worship is the natural expression of faith. Worship is saying, God, I believe you even when I don't see it. Even when I don't understand it, I will come together with people of faith to worship. This is what God's people do. We do this because we need to see each other. We need to encourage each other. We need to live by faith and to offer to God our praise. Because here's, here's what you and I both know. You don't, if you don't praise God, if you don't spend time thinking about him, you forget about him. Out of sight, out of mind. It's not that we're just naturally bad about that. It's how we are. We, we forget And therefore, we have to keep coming back to him over and over to worship and praise him, to lift his name up, to remind ourselves of who he is, to be charged up for the week. You know, my my iPhone, if I don't charge it every day, it's dead the next morning. It doesn't work. And if you and I aren't charging our faith every week, every day, it runs out of juice. It stops working. And you look around and you say, well, I'm a Christian. Shouldn't these things happen? But God said, first you have to go in order to find his blessings. Not sit and wait. Go. And so we call people to worship. We call people to worship every week. Why? 
because all of us need it. And yes, there are times when you don't feel like coming. And there are times when you're busy. And there's something else going on. But here's the thing. Is God truly your God that you demonstrate by faith? If so, you gather with God's people every week. It's what God's people do. It's why this is fundamental to remember and act in faith to worship our God. In verse 8, he goes on then, it says, He moved to the hill country on the east of Bethel and pitched his tent with Bethel on the west and I on the east. And there he built an altar to the Lord and called upon the name of the Lord. And Abram journeyed on, still going toward Nineveh. So again, as we go back to the map here, what we see is that he's come to Shechem, which is in the northern end of the promised land. He goes to Ai, which is here. And then he will go down here to near Hebron in, in the Negev in this area here, which is the southern end. So he is, he's camping across the promised land. He's going through there, and what does he do? He worships in each place. He offers worship to the Lord along the way. He is getting to see the land God has promised to his descendants. And yet, the next episode, which we're going to move quickly through, shows that Abram's faith was far from perfect. I mean, I've been telling you about his faith and how he left, and, and maybe right now you're kind of thinking, yeah, that sounds great for him, but what about me? And I'm trying to struggle with this. And that's the beauty of this story about this man named Abram. Is he wasn't a superman. He wasn't, you know, he, he wasn't somehow spiritually better than anyone. He was real flesh and blood, and he had his own struggles. And we're going to see that because in many ways, Abram is us right here, right now, with imperfect faith. And yet God still used him, and God still blessed him. In verse 10, it says, Now there was a famine in the land, so Abram went down to Egypt to sojourn there, for the famine was severe in the land. So notice, again, just to, again for, for reference sake, we've got our map coming up. This is, yeah, there you go. Um, he's been down in here. Famine comes. He heads to Egypt. E Egypt, by virtue of the Nile and this area, tended to always have more water and therefore crops. And so it was not unusual for people in, in these desert areas to head to Egypt. And we'll in fact see that uh, a few generations past Abraham, Jacob and his sons will all, the 12 sons of Israel, will migrate there themselves for the exact same reason. And Abram is, is blessed by God, but that doesn't mean that his life is easy or he won't face adversity. And we got to realize that. we got to think, okay, if I become a Christian, does that mean all my problems go away? If I'm, a, if I'm a Christian and I'm worshiping, shouldn't my house have been spared? But there's nothing scriptural about that. What we see in scripture is that the people of God don't have it easy. In fact, sometimes they have it harder because the people around them don't like that they think their God is the God. And, and they attack them and they make life hard for them. And so this man who has been so blessed still has to face and live life. Verse 11, it says, when he was about to enter Egypt, he said to Sarah, his wife, I know that you are a, a, a woman beautiful in appearance, and when the Egyptians see you, they'll say, this is his wife. 
then they'll kill me, but they will let you live. So say you are my sister, that it may go well with me because of you, and that my life may be spared for your sake. So here we have this man of faith we've been talking about, this man who moved, who left his family, who was promised protection by God, doing something really surprising. He lies. He's deceptive. He trusts his own cunning more than God's provision. And his deception works for a while, but then how we don't know, Pharaoh learns. Pharaoh first takes Sarah into his harem, pays Abram handsomely, but God has promised Abram protection, and Pharaoh somehow learns what's going on here and and realizes God's not going to allow this. Jumping to verse 17, the Lord afflicted Pharaoh and his house with great plagues because of Sarah, Abram's wife. So Pharaoh called Abram and said, what is this you've done to me? Why did you not tell me that she was your wife? Why did you say, she's my sister, so that I took her for my wife? Now then, here is your wife. Take her and go. And Pharaoh gave him orders concerning him, and they sent him away with his wife and all that he had. Pharaoh's clearly upset with this deception by this man of God. In fact, you read this story, this Pharaoh is is more honorable in this circumstance than Abram is. Why would a man of faith do this? And in fact, Abram doesn't even protest when he's accused of this by by Pharaoh, nor do we read any objection coming from Sarah. But what's interesting is this isn't even the only time Abraham did this. Years later, he would do the same thing with a local ruler named Abimelech found in Genesis chapter 20. If you have your Bible, swing over to chapter 20, verse 1. It says, from there, Abraham journeyed toward the territory of the Negev, that's at southern Israel, and lived between Kadesh and Shur. And so he sojourned in Gerar. And Abraham said of Sarah, his wife, she is my sister. And Abimelech, king of Gerar, sent and took Sarah. And just as Pharaoh was afflicted, Scripture tells us that Abimelech receives a dream from God, and he discovers his wives cannot conceive. And he comes to realize that both Abraham and Sarah have deceived him. Verse 9, then Abimelech called Abraham and said to him, what have you done to us? How have I sinned against you that you have brought on me and my kingdom a great sin? You have done to me things that ought not to be done. And Abimelech said to Abraham, What did you see that you did this thing? Abraham said, I did it because I thought there is no God, no fear of God at all in this place. And they'll kill me because of my wife, because she is indeed my sister, the daughter of my father, though not the daughter of my mother. And she became my wife. And when God caused me to wander from my father's house, I said to her, this is the kindness you must do me. At every place to which we come, say of me, he is my father. Look what has been happening. Abraham, the man remembered for faith, lifted up by the Apostle Paul, placed in the role of faith, honor roll of faith in in Hebrews chapter 11, still experiences doubts and fear. And he acted out those doubts and fears. And in doing so, He brought trouble into the lives of others. First Pharaoh in his household, and then Abimelech in his. And and here we see 
Abraham didn't realize God can be working in others even when we don't see it because he assumed, he says, that there is no fear of God at all in this place, talking about Abimelech and his household. Do, do you have doubts or fears about talking to someone about God because you've thought there's no way they would be interested? There's no way they would ever, they, you know, they, they've never shown any interest before. Why in the world would they care? And to think that is to think that it's all on me and I'm the only one responsible here and to forget that God is always at work. God is always seeking every soul on this planet. He's seeking to woo every person and he may in fact be working on that person and have given you the opportunity to ask the question or to be the witness to them and that they instead of saying, get out of here, saying, I was just thinking about that. Now, I mean, I'm not saying every opportunity is going to work out just fine. I'm not saying it's easy. But Abimelech reminds us that we never know how and when God is working in someone else, in a family member, in a coworker, in a friend, in a neighbor. We know in these last two weeks as people have been struggling to deal with loss and either dealing with survivor's guilt, why something didn't happen to me, or dealing with, look at what I lost, there are a lot of questions going on. How do I make sense of all this? And, and we believe God has answers. And people are thinking these things and they're wondering. And, and it's why now is such a great time that when the door opens to talk about your faith, when the door opens, invite someone to church. When the door opens, invite them to a small group with you. When the door opens, just love on them and be the hands and feet of Jesus and trust by faith that God is just as interested in that person believing as he has been in you just as interested and he is working and maybe you are one of the people he wants to use it's interesting we also see a pattern of sin in abraham's life that he obviously hasn't allowed god to heal because he tells us it, this has been his practice all along to claim that sarah is his sister and sarah's gone along with it she's not objected there's no nothing in scripture that sarah ever said i don't know about that maybe we shouldn't do that it, it appears that both of them have been doing this all along and here's the thing if you're a follower of jesus you're not perfect i'm not perfect we all sin and fall short of the glory of God. And we all will discover practices and habits in our lives that we've perhaps never held up to the light of Christ, that we've never fully surrendered to him, that we've been embarrassed or we've, we've hidden somewhere in our lives or we've denied that it existed. The problem is God at some point, those things are going to come out and affect us. The consequences of those sins affect others, sometimes unintentionally, and keep us from experiencing all the blessings God has for us. God calls you and me, 
particularly those of us who are followers of Jesus, to trust him with our faults and our failings. For he is a God of the impossible, as we see over and over again in the life of Abraham. In the end, Abraham confesses his sin, not only to God, but also to Abimelech. Verse 17, then Abraham prayed to God, and God healed Abimelech and also healed his wife and female slaves so that they bore children. For the Lord had closed all the wombs of the house of Abimelech because of Sarah, Abraham's wife. See, we look at the story of Abraham, a guy who lived 4,000 years ago, as this great man of faith. We talk about it sometimes if we know anything about it. But like every single one of us, he was human. He was flesh and blood. He gave in to temptation. He experienced doubt and fear. Are you afraid about what's going to happen in the next few weeks? Do you have doubts if God is real? Do you think that the situation in your, there's no hope for the situation at work or at school? If you do, you're like every other human being, including Abraham. And yet, when he went, when he acted in faith, he opened the door for blessings to begin to flow into his life. Not blessings that all the problems went away, but blessings. God does not give up on us. But he continues to call us to examine ourselves, to let him get us through our doubts and fears, to walk in humble obedience with him each and every day. Why do we need worship? Why do we need to read our Bibles? Why do we need to pray? Because in the next hour or two, every single one of us is probably going to be tempted to do something that walks away from God. And you know, there's the old saying, out of sight, out of mind. And it's true. That's why you and I have to worship. That's why you and I spend time in, with, in prayer and reading. That's why we get into groups with others. That's why we serve alongside others. Because God works in our lives through others and speaks to us through others. And he speaks to others through you and me even when you don't think you have something to give. I promise you, every single one of you in this room here today, there is something God has created you for and given you to give to someone else. Someone else. No exception. None. In this series, we want to give you a chance to reflect on what God has shown us. So right here, right now, on the insert on the back it says right here right now at the very bottom what is one key principle that God has revealed from his word that you can apply to your life today in what area of your life is God calling you to trust him right now right here what is it that he's calling you to believe and trust today this is just for you you're not going to show it to, you don't have to show it to anybody else why don't you write something down why don't you go why don't you act? Why don't you live by faith? Because whether you're a follower of Jesus or not, all of us fall short of the glory of God. All of us have those times of failings. All of us have those, those secrets, those sins. But maybe today, in fact, certainly today, 
He is calling you to step out of at least one of those, to confess it, to open up to him, to entrust it to him. Maybe it has something to do with Hurricane Harvey. But maybe it has something to do with your workplace or your school or a relative or a relationship. I don't know. That's the beauty of it. God does. He knows exactly what's happening in your life. And he's there to walk you by faith through it. But the blessings do not come until we go. Until we, like Abraham, take that step of faith. If that step of faith for you is to put your faith in Jesus, our prayer team would love to talk to you. If it's something else, they're here for you. All of us at some time or another struggle with something. And they would love to pray with you this morning. You also have the opportunity to sign up for groups because we can't do this alone. We need each other. So you can do that online or go out to the Next Steps area and talk to somebody. You can go out there and see about signing up to help if, if you're able to do that, if you're able to get out later today or tomorrow because the end is not in sight. And, and some of you, that may be exactly what God's telling you is that's your go, whatever it is to do that. If you're a guest with, today, if this is your first time, we're so glad you're here and, and I and some friends are going to be right outside this door and we'd love to say hello to you. Um, let me just close us in prayer with this promise that every one of us, every one of us walks in the shoes of Abraham. God has revealed himself to us through his word, through other people. Will we walk in faith? And yes, we will struggle. But the good news is he forgives and even Abraham, who did that stuff, God still continued to use him. None of us are too far gone. Gracious God, I pray for every one of us, wherever we are in our faith journeys, whether it's considering whether you are even real or true or not, or looking at our lives that have been for so long walking with you, but maybe there are areas that we haven't surrendered or maybe our lives have just been kind of putting you off at a distance. And we've been looking for the blessings without actually living by faith. Wherever we are, God, meet us at that spot. Help us to know you love us, you care about us, and you'll go with us in every step of the journey ahead. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. God's strong. Houston Strong. See you next week. To learn more about us, visit www.gateway-community.org. Welcome to your journey.